Nice. Welcome, everyone. This is David and Mark. We're going to talk NBA, pick up right where we left off. So, Mark, you've been watching the games. Any hot takes, initial takes? We're about eight games into the season, seven or eight games in. I think we touched a little bit on, I guess, start of the Mavericks. I think uh, you, you want to talk Mavericks a little bit? Definitely. We, we went back and forth uh, when Lakers played Mavericks, I think, two days ago. Obviously, the, the, I think the Lakers stole the game. Uh, they held uh, Seth Curry to allow Danny Green to hit the game tire, and then they just you know, ran him over in overtime. I think uh, they're not quite, at least in their early season, they're not quite to the level they need to be at, but they're really close, and it's really exciting to watch them now as yep. compared to the last couple of years. Yep. Uh, I agree. I think Porzingis needs to step up a little bit. He was very aggressive in the first half, first quarter, but, I mean, you're talking about you're trying to take down the Lakers and beat them in regulation, and where was Porzingis? I also, I, I think that was the game of the year <laughs> so far. It was a fantastic game. Luca had a triple-double. Ron had a triple-double. Anthony Davis was doing Anthony Davis things. Uh, overtime game that, in overtime, it seemed like no one missed a shot. It was one of these overtimes that was like 14 to 13 or something. Super exciting game. Anyway, but I wanted to ask you. So Mavs up three with eight seconds left and the Lakers have the ball. They really screwed up that that last possession, in my opinion. Should they have fouled up three? Definitely. They should, they should have fouled as soon as the ball came in the inbounds. It, 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 uh, it, they didn't have opportunity to get it over to Danny Green, then uh, it would have been a different right. game entirely. Then they have, like, what, like two seconds to make that same shot and maybe miss a free throw? Right. I mean, in the timeout, don't you just say, guys, okay, we're going to play five out. No one stand in the lane. You should be guarding a three-point shooter, and if your guy gets the ball, follow him before he can get a shot off. Uh, like, to me, it's not that difficult. The Pistons actually did the same thing the, ne- the next night against Brooklyn. They were up three, six seconds left. Brooklyn inbounds and Pistons foul. Make the first, miss the second on purpose. Pistons get the rebound, game over. I mean, I, I think Rick Carlisle is one of the best, but uh, felt like a missed opportunity there for the Mavs. They, if you're up three, with eight seconds to go, I feel like you should win the game. And they didn't. Yeah, I, I think that's some of the polish that they're lacking right now. And I think, to your point, Rick Carlisle is obviously one of the better coaches in the NBA Big fan of his. Just, uh, they, you know, mental lapse. Missed it when it counted. And you can't make mistakes when you have LeBron on the court. LeBron was just incredible. He seems more focused. Obviously getting hurt last year at Christmas. And then really only played a couple of games. So LeBron's basically been resting for like a year. <laughs> and year 17, he's playing point guard, which defies explanation. And he's still putting up like 39, 12, 16 overtime win in Dallas against guys that are almost half his age. Just tip of the cap to LeBron. He's incredible. And it was uh, so fun to watch him Saturday night. Yep. I agree. I think the Mavs got a nice victory today and are up to four and two. So I think Mavs are looking good, especially since that could very well be a five and one for the Mavs. Yep. I think a lot of people are, are citing the Mavs as being the, maybe the eighth seed in the West now that um, the Warriors have completely fallen apart. Let's talk about it. Warriors, you know, I really like the Warriors under 48 season win total. Did not throw down on it. Now I wish I had. Seems like a, <laughs> uh, a lock. Have you ever seen a team go into tank mode so quickly? I mean, it was like before Halloween. And my how the mighty have fallen. The, the five-time Western Conference champs are going to really try to go like... 17 and 55 now is that the plan i think they I, they have to at this point they have you know draymond green and pretty that's pretty much it kevin kevin looney and that's it on their team d'angelo uh, russell d'angelo russell yeah who's hasn't shown that he has any defensive ability at all or at least any inclination to play defense indeed 
Yeah, so it's interesting. It's kind of like the second donut theory. It's like, I think they really wanted to have this. I mean, obviously they had their dynasty. They've been in the playoffs five of the last six years. They've won three championships. And then they just say, okay, let's run it back next year. Let's run it back next year. And they don't realize that uh, they have all their talent missing. And no, I think pretty much, I don't know, from reading around the internet and stuff and talking to my friends, they, they're, they're, their fan base is pretty content. So why do you have the owner saying how they're not going to tank and, you know, to rebuild the, le- the legacy of the Warriors and do it the right way? Like, why would you do that? Yeah, that owner, he's a pretty cocky guy. He he seems to think that he unlocked the key to winning championships when, uh, dude, you had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant on your team. That's it's pretty hard to not win a championship. Yeah, I think they should tank. the The cupboard is bare. It is kind of funny that they just opened this, you know, billion dollar uh, arena downtown, and all the rich guys were probably rubbing their hands together. Oh, I can't wait to get my new seats in the new arena and watch the champs. And they're they're going to lose by twenty every night now, and it's going to be, you know, opening the spending all that money and opening a new arena based on past performance because. The current version of the Warriors is going to be really bad for the foreseeable future, at least the next three months, right? Yeah, and the best part is that Bay Area fans are pretty much the worst people on Earth, so I'm, I'm <laughs> happy about this. So if the Warriors are not going to make the playoffs, which seems like the consensus, that opens up a spot. Anyone else you like? I, I like your take that the Mavs will be in the mix to secure they're in the mix for that seven or eight seed kind of like phoenix phoenix looks very oddly competent this year uh the clippers are four and two they lost at phoenix on a saturday night where clippers didn't play very well and suns played great and Devin booker had 30 and was unstoppable and dario Saric and kelly Oubre, like they have some competent nba guys four and two are the suns in the mix for the eight seed. I don't know if the Suns have the sustaining power. They've been pretty frisky lately. They beat a couple, you know, a, they won some games they're not supposed to win. They, and they're somehow winning without DeAndre Ayton, which uh, makes you want to scratch your head yeah, at like how integral he is to right? their offense. Yeah, suspended 25 games. For uh, substance abuse? Yeah, diuretic uh, in his, uh, he's trying to, um, oh. uh, just, um, to uh, pass a drug water, water down his pee. Yeah, pass yeah. a drug test. Yeah. And Probably Sacramento has been disappointing uh, Memphis, I think, is rebuilding. New Orleans is is struggling out of the gate. Spurs, as always, looking good, four and two. Houston has struggled a little bit. They got blown out tonight in Miami by like thirty. Any of these teams jumping out at you as they're going to separate themselves from the pack, kind of in the middle of the West? Yeah, I think you know uh, if you think about last year, Houston had a had a kind of a rough start last year as well, and then picked it up and lost a bunch of guys and put the whole team on uh, Harden's back. So. I think they'll figure it out. I think they're a little bit of a, I don't know, like a little bit of a cyclone themselves, given Westbrook and Harden the same team again. And, you know, they're it's like seeing a friend from high school after like 10 years, like, oh, we're a lot different now, aren't we? And we don't, <laughs> we're not the same people we were when we were rookies on the, on the uh, Thunder back in what, 2012? <laughs> it's interesting. But yeah, I think Houston will find their way. Uh, yeah. It'll be, uh, It'll be interesting what they do, but uh, yeah, it's they, they had a, a decent start so far. Lakers just finished off the Spurs. Lakers are five and one. Their one loss is to the Clippers. Their bench is trash. But what's your early take on the the Lakers? Are they for real? The Lakers are not for real. I, I don't think they like you said they had they had the, like Dwight Howard. What is what do you think Dwight Howard is going to be forty games in? You know, Danny Green has been shooting like the best of his career right now. Without that, how close are these games? And um, you know, obviously they're going to want to be. Uh, load managing um, uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron. So I, I, I really don't think that they're, they're going to have to make some moves before the trade deadline, and it'd be interesting to see who they grab. LeBron, 21, 11, and 13 tonight. Another triple-double. 
Eight for 23 from the floor is not great, but just got Kuzma back. They're, Kuzma's usually on a mi- minutes restriction, 15, 20 minutes. He played 16 minutes tonight. But that bench, so I'll give you an example. When the Clippers bench comes in, tonight the bench was uh, Lou Williams, Montrez, Harrell, Jermichael Green, Mo Harkless. I mean, those guys ha- have been starters and could be starters. And the, the Clippers bench unit just feasts. Their first two games, I think they scored the bench scored 60 points in both of the games. How long can this Lakers team sustain just zero bench? Uh, Dwight has actually been pretty good, <laughs> I think. I set my expectations pretty low, so... Uh, I think Dwight's been okay. He had 14 points and 13 rebounds tonight, 21 minutes. Double-double. Yeah, but we'll see. I I think they're very thin, so if anyone gets injured, they're going to be in big trouble. Yeah, how hard do they keep their foot on the gas pedal? Uh, Will there be some load management for AD and LeBron? That would be wise. I I love it. I think the West is so wide open and it's so fun. And I have no idea. Like, I have no idea who's going to be the, the best team. And the playoff matchups are going to be awesome. One more take, uh, uh, Portland. Any take on Portland? They lost this buzzer beater to the Sixers, who are now 5-0, and by the way. we got to talk about the Sixers. Some people have mentioned Portland as a uh, possible team that made the playoffs last year that would not uh, be in the playoffs this time around. Are you feeling Portland or no? Uh, do you know when does Nurkic come back? From what I can tell, uh, you know, from listening to the various uh, podcasts and reading the news that I can find about the Trailblazers, it sounds like they think that they're in their window right now. So they're they're going to be pretty aggressive at the trade deadline, and be lo- depending on where they are in the standings at the time, be looking to add a significant piece to make that push because I think they they feel like at least that they're pretty close. I think that. Um, I don't, I'm not sure anybody really expected them to jump out of the gates and go, you know, six and zero or five and one like the Lakers did. So I'm not too concerned about them. And I think, you know, as we get maybe 25 games in, we'll it'll have, we'll have a better indication of how it shakes out. Said Nurkic is not coming back before the All Star break, so that's February. Wow. Um, so yeah, he would miss that's probably 50 games. It looks like who they who we'll they replace uh, Enos Cantor with was that with Aaron Baines for who oh, Portland Portland yeah they got Hassan Whiteside oh that's right Hassan Whiteside interesting okay should be interesting all right mm-hmm. what about the East Sixers are five and zero oh. Heat are five and one Boston's four and one Milwaukee's four and two Toronto's looked good Detroit's been a little frisky the Wizards and Knicks are terrible I don't think that's a newsflash are the Sixers the best team in the East. I think they are by far. It's interesting. Uh, I have Tobias Harris on my fantasy team, and oh. I'm I'm continually shocked by how many points he puts up per night and how how complete of a player he is because he's he fills up the rebounds, assists, and gives a block every every time uh, now and again. So, you know, I think uh, they are somehow they lost uh, Jimmy Butler to Miami, and they're somehow better this year. And I think that's in their defense. And they also got uh, Josh Richardson, which is and, been- and Al Horford like just makes every team better. Like he doesn't fill up the stat sheet. He's like he'll average fourteen and seven. He'll never have like a forty point game. But every team he's on is just better when he's out there. It's hard to quantify. He's like an extra coach on the floor or something. I really like Al yeah. Horford. What What do you think about that team though? Do you think that they're a team that can reach the NBA Finals? I know they were really close, obviously last year, but I just don't. I don't know. I think you know they're a great regular season team, but don't Sixers? they don't think the, yeah, the Sixers don't have that killer instinct yet. Yeah, I think defensively they're they're extremely strong. I mean, they're so big when you got Ben Simmons guarding your other your point guard and Horford, Harris, Richardson, and Embiid. That's a outstanding five. I think some question marks on the bench. Obviously, question marks if anyone gets hurt, um, and question marks around Ben Simmons shooting. If he's just not going to shoot when he's running screen roll, you can just go under every time 
and help on the roll, and it, it really helps the defense if you know Ben Simmons is not going to shoot. So I think that's a question mark that's still out there. He seems to think he's fine. He said something like, well, I made the all-star team last year, so I'm just going to stick with uh, what works for me, you know, kind of <laughs> in your face. Like, I don't need a jump shot. Like, okay, we'll see. I, I mean, I Clippers over Sixers in the NBA Finals, so obviously I'm very high on the Sixers as well. Uh, how about this Boston team it, with three guys, Hayward, Jalen Brown, and Tatum, that kind of, they're, they're so similar in my mind. Like, they can all play probably the three. They all kind of want the ball. They're all knockdown shooters. But how do you keep all of those guys happy? And Kemba is pretty ball happy as well. I mean, he's not a point guard that is slinging it around. He's a point guard that's going to score 27 points, 33 he had the other night. Uh, Celtics look good, but are they going to be able to keep everyone happy with all enough basketballs? Yeah, I think I think they will ultimately. I think um, with Kyrie leaving, they have they, they kind of seen what it's been like. They they know what it feels like. I think to say, hey, we, we had an extremely ball dominant person that we pretty much ran the offense for us. If you can call it an offense, is basically him dribbling and shooting when he wanted to. So. I think uh, they learned a lot from last year, and I, I, I trust that with, given Brad Stevens' leadership that uh, the, you know they'll definitely continue to figure it out. Yeah, they basically don't have a center. They got these a couple of rookies, I think, uh, Williams and Wanamaker, and I don't know. But uh, Kemba's been awesome. He's averaging 26 a game, shooting 42% from the floor. That's pretty good. And yeah, it just seems like night and day from Kyrie, right? Happier, better body language, people listening to the coach, encouraging each other. Marcus Smart does a lot of that too. He's the guy, he seems like a great teammate to me. Like if you get knocked down, you're on the floor. Marcus Smart's the first one to run over and pick you up. If you took a charge, he's right there clapping in, in the other guy's face. He's constantly supporting his teammates, and he's not afraid to take a shot, almost to a fault. Like, he jacks up some crazy threes sometimes. But I like, I need a, a confident guy on my team That's that's that I know he's got my back, and we're going into battle. Big shout out, Marcus Smart and Celtics. Off to a good start, 4-1 and one so far. Yeah, and I think what's really big for them right now is that since they don't have Kyrie anymore, they're not constantly in the news. And so they can develop their chemistry, they can develop their team. I mean, obviously Boston media is his own monster in itself, but you know, they're not in on ESPN every day talking about how much drama is a part of that team, so they can focus on basketball and focus on winning. Kyrie already in the news, like three games in, having some trouble in the locker room. You're not surprised. Not at all. I mean, I, I, it's interesting. It's like what I understand that, you know, the new ownership of the Nets, they want to make a splash. They had an opportunity to get two top of five, maybe, I don't know, top eight guys. And they did. But they got one of the, mo the two of the most temperamental players you could possibly have in your team. And I think they're yeah. kind of uh, reaping what they sowed at this point. Yeah. Did you hear that that podcast? It was Chris Vernon. And he was telling a story to uh, emphasize Kyrie's Kyrie's weirdness. I mean, we all know he believes the Earth is flat, or at least has said that publicly. And then, obviously, had some trouble in Cleveland. There, there was some story out of Cleveland that he like didn't talk to anyone on the team for like ten days during one of those finals against Golden State. And then the Chris Vernon story. Kyrie's now with Brooklyn, and Brooklyn was playing at Memphis. Might have been the second best game of the year. It was incredible. And before the game, this uh, photographer for the Memphis arena or whatever was taking some pictures. And Kyrie came over and said, don't take my picture. You're not allowed to take my picture before the game. And the guy was like, what? What are you talking about? Pretty sure in an NBA arena, people are going to be taking your picture, Kyrie. And he was like, not before the game. 
so this photographer went and kind of asked around like hey you, have you guys heard this before and they were like they were all like oh yeah he's uh kind of a dick about it <laughs> doesn't let us take this picture before the game so i mean that's not an indictment of a horrible person obviously it's strange and then when you add all these stories together it's like he's phenomenal on the basketball court obviously no one can stay in front of him but are you adding, you know, cancerous elements to your team chemistry and your locker room? Those, I mean, you got to be on an airplane and in a locker room and in a hotel with those guys for six months. And after game three, they're already picking at each other. I don't think that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I think what Kyrie's only 26 and, you know, tell a 26 uh, year old he's Jesus and he'll believe you. So I think, um, <laughs> you know, he's really adopting that role. And uh, I think he's al- allowed to be a, a, you know, a prima donna based upon his performance in the court. And I don't know how well his his game fits. And, and also, one thing I was thinking about this week is that he's continually tried to take this leadership role and w- without actually knowing how to lead. And if LeBron yeah. James had to lead, then, you know, I don't think he knows very well either. So I think ultimately Kyrie has shown he's not the uh, the one A guy. He's definitely the number two and they need a number one there to kind of show him the way. And uh, yep. hopefully Kevin Durant can put him on track. Great point. You nailed it. Speaking of that Brooklyn Memphis game. That was it. Went in also went into overtime. Uh, Jay Crowder hit a buzzer beating three, game winning walk off three in Memphis. That was crazy. And Ja Morant, boy, that guy, incredible. So, Ja Morant down the stretch, Memphis is down four with like 30 seconds to go. So, they need a score, a stop, a score, and potentially another stop. He gets two incredible buckets, gets all the way to the hole and lays it in over Jared Allen, which is difficult. Uh, and then he gets another bucket. So that now it's tied, and but Kyrie's going to get one more shot. And John, John Morant just swatted it. Kyrie did his fadeaway that seems unblockable, and Morant just like put it back in his face. So I was like, wow, this guy's really good <laughs> and yeah. excited to watch him. So considering the fact that Zion is out for six to eight weeks, what they're saying could be longer than that. Yes or no, John Morant will win the rookie of the year. Wow. Uh, have you seen anything uh, about uh, Tyler uh, Hero on uh, Miami Heat? Oh, yeah. He's a shooter. Dude, I, I, I was actually watching YouTube randomly and I saw a, a clip from him in his high school and I was like, wait, who's this guy? Oh, he's in the NBA now? Oh, he plays in the Miami <laughs> Heat and he came from Kentucky? That guy's pretty incredible. But that uh, John Morant performance, he didn't keep that up, is just uh, next level. And the best part was the look on Kyrie's face when he blocked a shot. He's just yeah, like, yeah. Did, I mean, that shot is basically unblockable. I don't know. Uh, kudos to anyone who had the guts to put some rookie of the year money on Ja Morant. And then Zion got hurt. And then you saw Ja and he, and he was awesome. You were pretty excited. You're looking good. So uh, kudos to those folks. Denver will finish with a better seed than the Clippers in the West. The West it could until the article came out about their coach talking about how they're all talk. And, uh, He's already calling his team out after six games. So Mike Malone, Mike Malone, yeah, he's getting he has some real talk with his team to say, you know, hey, what do you guys, you know, I know you guys talked about championship and being in the playoffs, and you know, th- this is the season, but you guys need to play like it. And he's not getting the level of effort he wants out of his guys and having to call them out six games in, which is troubling. Interesting. I think they, I, I think right now, uh, obviously with Paul George out, Denver is a more complete team, and they've been playing very well early on and uh, have hit a couple, you know, tough games, but. Uh, I, I wouldn't put it past the Denver to finish with a better record than Clippers. Yeah, Denver's looks really good. They got a lot of nice pieces. And Jamal Murray, I think we talked about it earlier, needs needs to step up if they're going to be the one seed. Jamal Murray off to a decent start, averaging 18 points, three assists, shooting 43% from the floor, 35% from three. I'd like to see that above 40 before I start picking Denver for anything. OKC has a better roster than the Golden State Warriors. True or false? 
True, 100%. Yeah, definitely now. Just, I like this OKC team for some reason. Like Chris Paul with some you know, pride. Hey, I still got it. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, that, that guy is tremendous. I'm kind of sad that he was a Clipper and now he's going to thrive and flourish in the league on a team other than the Clippers. But obviously you do that trade to get PG. And Danilo Gallinari still gunning out there. Steven Adams, maybe the toughest guy in the league. This OKC team is kind of fun. I would suggest watching them if if they're on your your league pass feed one night yeah it's interesting um, we just, we talked about a, a couple of different players that don't really fit in anywhere they go and then you talk about someone like Danilo Gallinari who's been on a couple of different teams and you know yep. you never hear any any drama out of him and uh you know Chris Paul obviously has had some trouble and he's he's uh he's kind of like angry teacher approach of uh, leadership uh, which kind of rubs guys the wrong way but how, yeah. how valuable are you given the Al Horfords of the world if you can you know, yeah. fit seamless into a team and also produce. Yeah. Speaking of an angry teacher, I'm not a fan of this this coach's challenge so far. I mean, I know we have the technology, and I guess you could re- rewind a collision 100 times and decide it was a block and not a charge or a charge and not a block. But someone yells something, and then the play stops, and then the refs and the everyone in the crowd's kind of confused. And then you the game stops for like 90 seconds. It messes up the flow. I'm not a fan so far, especially like in these challenges after in the last two minutes or the last one minute you know the last minute of an nba game there's like six timeouts and a bunch of free throws it's very slow now we're adding another well hey i want a challenge that was uh you know that tip in should have been an offensive goaltending or something and everyone stands around for two minutes maybe it'll get better but so far i'm not a fan of the coach's challenge i don't even have a question for you that's just my take mark (laughs) that's awesome have you seen, thank you for listening to me vent Have, are, are you pro coaches challenge or con or tbd i'm con especially considering you know being a big baseball fan uh the challenges got worse as they progressed they didn't get right. any better and uh, from a live experience they never explain why the call is being challenged to the audience yeah. so everybody's kind of like milling around like talking about like hey what are we sitting here for and then they blurt it out. You can't really hear the guy anyways. It's like, okay, this is this, this is detracting from the experience. And I like the basketball yep. before they added this. Yep. And same for football. It just adds another stop to the game. So the NBA, although I think is is pretty good, I don't want to say bleeding edge, but they're not afraid to try stuff. You know, so they're trying this. And maybe if it doesn't work, they yank it back out. So uh, we'll see. But um, thumbs down for me so far. And then uh, Igudala. So Igudala, currently a member of the Memphis Grizzlies, but he's not playing. He's obviously a a buyout or a trade candidate. Where does Igudala end up? I think, you know, Lakers has gotten a lot of run, a lot of talk of the Lakers out here. But any insight from you on where Igudala ends up? You know, it'd be really interesting to see where he ends up is if he ended up on the Rockets. They're not afraid to make make a trade or or bring in some big salary right yeah somehow they just will just domino their their way around and figure out a way to squeeze him in and they obviously could use his defensive capability and his leadership so it'll be interesting all right what else you got what are you looking forward to what are you Uh, excited about what are you encouraged about I'm uh, looking forward to see if uh, Miami can stay in this run. You know, it's like mm. you said, they were uh, five and one. They have a lot of uh, talent. Um, to see, like you know, twelve games in, is the entire puzzle shuffled up, and who's at the top, and uh, who we feel is strong. And so it's interesting to kind of take these little glimpses into, you know, just a fraction of the uh, the league and make some uh, conclusions based upon what we've been watching so far. Yeah, I'm excited for the Clippers. It's a little bummed with the loss in Phoenix. And then uh, over the weekend, Kawhi did not play in Utah, so he took the L there. Clippers are 4-2. and two. Still feels like when PG comes back, everything will be fine. But excited to watch some 
some Clippers, the Mavs are really fun. Clippers have some tough games coming up. Their next round of games is Utah, Milwaukee, Portland, Toronto, Houston. Wow. So, yeah, uh, they'll be on national TV a lot. They're all all of those games are on ESPN, TNT, NBA TV. Let's wrap it up, and I'm going to go watch the end of the Clipper game. Sounds good. And party, my parting comment would be: Do you think that anybody's developing an algorithm to determine when the top 25 stars in the NBA are going to be load management, so they can know what to stack their rosters and win that game for sure? I'd say if you could write that code, you would be a rich man. Figure right? that one out. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Everything else good, Mark? Yeah, everything else is good. I think the only other comment I'd make about the NBA is I wish that Porzingis would take more threes or work more on his three because I think, you know, the NBA is actually sh- obviously shift away from that mid-range 19-footer and uh, he'd be a lot more aggressive, I think, and also be more effective on the team if he has, uh, you know, he's capable of shooting, you know, 40% plus from three. Do you think maybe he's just a little rusty? Like, he hasn't played live NBA basketball in, I think it's been a year, a year and a half. It, could it be just rust? And once he gets into shape, he'll be fine and, and by Christmas. Yeah, I don't know. It's almost like he's he's been out for, what, like two and a half years? And so it's almost like he's time right. traveling from back before when the Rockets were first implementing this, like, three-year layup uh, offense, and then the league is kind of slowly following. Yeah, it definitely can be rust. Also, he, he's probably not playing at 100% because he's still kind of, uh, you know, getting used to his, uh, you know, from his recovery. I can't imagine that he's 100% yet. <clears throat> so, yeah, yeah totally it. See how it develops. He tore it February 16th, 2018. So that's, yeah, 18 to 20 months ago. He hasn't played NBA basketball in almost two years. I'm willing to give him a little slack. I mean, he looks like he's in good shape and he's out there and he's doing damage, but can he get back to that level where he was and maybe one level above that? That's what I would love to see because Luca is so fun and the Mavs have a bunch of nice pieces around guys that'll hustle and dig out rebounds and play defense and pass. Uh, Luca and KP can you know, take it to the next level, then Mavs are looking good for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I agree. And uh, if I would have told you that Seth Curry would have more points this season than his brother in uh, Golden State, would you believe me? Yeah, Seth Curry and Derrick Rose are going to have much better seasons than Steph Curry. I would have laughed you out of the room, and I would have been wrong. Derrick Rose has been great, man. Did you see the greeting the Chicago fans gave him the other night? No, I didn't. What they do? He, he's playing for Detroit, and he checks into the game. He usually comes off the bench now. And standing ovation from the Chicago fans, and then ch- wow. ch- chanted MVP when he was at the free throw line. So, love to see it. Way to go, Chicago fans. Good yeah, job, that was guys. great. What a, what an era for Chicago basketball. Come, you know, looking for that next Jordan. Derrick Rose is like electric back in the day, and uh, it's unfortunate that his uh, coach rode him so hard and he got injured so much. Quickly forget how good Derrick Rose was in 2011. 2011, Derrick Rose MVP. Chicago Bulls are the one seed. And yeah, they're polishing off their first round opponent. I think it was the Bucks. Yeah, went down in a heap with a non-contact injury and took him a long time to get back. He was sitting on the bench for a lot of those playoff games. People were making fun of him that, you know, his three-piece suit was his playoff uniform. But uh, always happy to see someone make it back to the pinnacle, and he seems a lot happier. So good on you, D-Rose. Yep. All right, man. 